turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We've been reading John chapter 5 and we actually went through down to verse 44 and to the end of the chapter. And the Lord Jesus asked the people, he said, I don't receive honor from men. And he told the people who were speaking to him, he said, but I know you that you don't have the love of God in you. You may hear that today and say, what a terrible thing to say. What a terrible thing to say to someone. You don't have the love of God in you. Jesus said that to the people and he said, I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in my comes in his own name, him you will receive. If someone comes and ministers and they want to represent themselves, uh, even if they say I'm representing God, but they're really after applause and recognition, and they want to be made feel good. Um, the Lord says, how can you believe them, really? Uh, you receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Do not think that I accuse you to the Father, that I shall accuse you to the Father. There's one who accu accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Lord Jesus came after Moses, of course, and Moses had given the teachings of God in the law to the people. And these people who are listening to Jesus, they claim to know Moses, they claim to know Abraham, they claim to know God. But they rejected Jesus. How can someone receive God and reject Jesus? It's impossible because Jesus is God. As God the Son, he said, I've come in my Father's name. And he said, but I know that you don't have the love of God in you. Because the honor you're looking for is from people. You really don't care too much about the honor that comes from God. And it's a test. They came face to face with the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. And they didn't want his brand, his version of religion. They could be correlated to people these days who say, I'm spiritual. I'm Christian if I want to be, but if I don't, does that make me not spiritual? Some people say, I choose to be whatever I want, but don't tell me that I'm not spiritual. And don't you dare tell me that I don't have God's love. God loves everybody. John 3.16, we read, God so loved the world, he does love everybody. But because he loves everybody doesn't mean that everybody loves him. And that's very clear in Scripture. And by experience, if we have our eyes open, we'll know that. Before we came to God, we really didn't love him. There are some people who mistakenly think, I've always loved God. They really believe that. I've always loved God. I've always had a place in my heart for God. Because we like God, because we esteem him worthy of honor 
because we think we've escaped death or we've gotten some blessings from God. And with that, we may think that, you know, I have a relationship with God. I know God because He's always watching over me. He's got my back. And so a lot of people in this world, they think that because of these experiences that they really know God, they really love God, and God loves them. But the Bible says in the epistles later on that we ought to keep ourselves in the love of God. You see that in the epistle of Jude and other epistles. What does that mean? Keep yourself in the love of God. That means that God has brought the person into the family of God and they have to abide in that love. So not everybody who thinks they love God really do because plain and simple John 14 and John 15, the Lord says, if you love me, you will do what I say. Do what God says means I don't do drugs. To do what God says means I don't drink. Because God says very clearly, don't do those things. So I claim to love God and I do those things. I don't love God. Jesus said that. You don't have the love of God in you. Because these people, they rejected him. By rejecting him, they're rejecting his teaching. Rejecting his commandments. And unless we come to terms with that, we will never, ever know God truly. But when we come to terms with that, we see that, you know what, I can, I can say and do whatever I want. And I can choose to be with people who say and do what I like. I can be a people pleaser and end up in hell with the people. And that was God's verdict here. He says, um, you really don't believe me because you're looking for compliments from one another. You want honor from people. We have to make a choice in life that I will never be a people pleaser. I love people and help them, but I'm not here to please them to do what they want me to do when it contradicts what God says for me to do. That's where I draw the line. There are some people who say, you know what? God told me to come to you and minister to you, so I'm going to move in with you. I want to live with you, and I want to um, show God's love to you. Oh, I know we're not married, but God told me to do this because God loves you and I love you. Anyone who reads the Bible has any basic understanding of who God is through Jesus Christ, they'll know that's uh, foolishness. That's the devil setting up for a fall for both of those people. So our persuasion regarding God and ministry and love of God and going here and there, and the Spirit told me this, and I felt the Spirit, this name-dropping is dangerous. To say that Jesus told me, the Father told me, or the Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit told me, And the reason this caution is coming up again today is because people keep doing it. Imagine going to God on that day. All of a sudden there's a funeral. The person is gone. But they're really not gone. They're gone from one area of the universe and they've gone into another area. They have to face God. Imagine if God, you know, all that time that I heard you say that I told you to do this, You spoke about the Trinity. 
He said, my heavenly father will never tell me not to do this. I'm going to go do it. Jesus spoke to me and told me to do this. That's why I did it. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said to do this. That's why I did this. Imagine if on that day, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Godhead says, you were lying when you said that. How dangerous. That's what these people were in the midst of. They were very religious and they thought they were spiritual. And they said, God this, God that, I can quote this, I can sing that, and I can do this, I'll do ministry. But don't you tell me that I don't have God's love in me. God loves everybody. There's a whole mix-up in that. The Lord spoke very, very uh, clearly and differentiated between, even in John 3 we saw that, what is from the flesh and what is from the spirit. He takes time to explain it. When people don't have time to read the Bible... They start going into some very weird spirituality. It's really not spirituality. It's demonic. And they start thinking that I feel this, I feel that. And the Lord told these people, I'm a Jew. You're Jewish. You know a lot about the Bible. Now I'm here. I wrote the Bible. I am the living Bible, the Word of God. I sent you somebody before I came to prepare the way. That was John the Baptist, the baptizer. In verse 35 of John chapter 5, he said he was the burning and shining lamp. And you were willing. You got all excited when you saw him. But I'm telling you, I have a greater witness than John's. I'm here to give you the whole story. Even then, when they were happy, they really didn't follow because it was like that seed that fell on the rock. It sprung up, but didn't have really any soil. But that little moisture got excited and tried to spread that excitement, but the whole crew fell away because they didn't have soil. They're not firmly rooted in the Word. When we read the Word of God, we really understand God's love. God's love was sacrificial love. God's love has humility in it. God's love would listen to what God says. The world's conception of love, they have three major uh, groups of love. One is the eros, which has to do with the physical love between married people and only married people. You have the phileo, which is the friendly type of love between um, friends. Where we get that Philadelphia city of love, brotherly love. And you have agape love, which is that sacrificial love. That's that love that doesn't look for compliments, doesn't fish for compliments, doesn't look for people to make sure they see us. And even when people don't like us, it doesn't get bitter and say, well, I'm going to treat you like that too. Or I'll just give you the cold shoulder. I'm not going to say anything bad to you, but I will let you know by my gestures and body language that I'm not happy, and so I'm not going to respond to you when you need help. And yet there are people who are in the wrong, clearly, but they're self-deluded. They think that I'm, I'm God's child, and God loves me, and why are you treating me bad? And you know what their conception of being treated bad is? It's when they do wrong and evil against God that other people are not coming to help them. 
to continue to do wrong. So the whole world becomes an enemy. These people tried to make Jesus feel like Jesus had a devil. They tried. They said, you have a devil. The Lord said, I don't have a devil. Your father's a devil. Because I'm doing what's right. And the life has come to manifest. Your hearts are not right. Why? You've got no faith. No real love of God. You scratch each other's back, basically, you know. Do favors for each other. And God said in John, uh, Matthew chapter 5, even the wicked people do that. A wicked person sees another wicked person, all friends, and they say, hello, how are you? Nice to meet you. How was your day? I love you. Wicked people do that. But Jesus said, the mark of a disciple of mine a child of God is, when people don't treat you right, even go to the extent of being malicious and evil toward you, you still have a heart that you will come to help them when they have need. But, God doesn't say be foolish. He says be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If I know that somebody's abusing grace, abusing love, and they're trying to take people for a ride, especially God, imagine trying to do that with God. God himself will say, listen, you're either with me or you're against me. If you don't do what I say, but you try to give me lip service, I can't help you. You need to repent. The son of the prodigal father, often this is missed, and we keep repeating that because it needs to be told and received, that the father never ran and found out the address, 32 pigs, Stye Drive. You know where the swamp is with the pigs? I'm going to go look up my son. I'm going to go there where it's stinking and dirty and he wants to stay there. And so instead of him repenting, I'm going to go there and love on him so he can get more deeper into that mire and get more spiritually sick and just play along with the deception and say, you know what, I came and visited you. And if you want to stay here, my son, I love you so much. You can stay in your drugs. You can stay, stay in your morality. You can stay deluding yourself. Stay in the witchcraft. Stay in bondage. Um, stay in the filth. But I want you to know something. I'll always love you. And I'll try to come back next Tuesday or maybe next month. I'll send you some money so you can continue your bad habits. Thank God. God is not deceived when people are doing the wrong thing. Out of real love, he warns them, don't continue in that because it will destroy you. That's not the kind of message we like to hear, though. Most people. They want to hear about how you can make me feel good. I want you to tell me how good of a heart I have. Because I did help that person who needed help. And I try not to say negative words. I, I'm not into negativity. Uh, I don't like to give off bad vibes. So what I like to say is, we are the world. We are the children. And we have to get along. And so let's build a tower that will reach to heaven. We'll all be together. Uh, what we're going to do is cut out doctrine, cut out commandments of God, uh, cut out the part about hell. It's very scary. 
I don't believe any preacher should preach about hell. It's, it's a no-no. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose me. Uh, don't talk about money. That's another thing we don't want to hear about. Even though Jesus spoke about hell and money quite often. Um, but we will decide what part of Jesus we will take today. I love the Bethlehem story. I love it. And I love when Jesus touched people and healed them. He went to the downcast and the outcast. I like that. Uh, let's, let's go on all the philanthropic principles. You know, go and give and help people. Be a good Samaritan. But don't go judging people and telling them, you know what, you're doing drugs, it's not good. You've got to stop. I'll get around to it. Don't try to rub it in. What I want is, I want you to love on me. God's conception of loving is to tell the whole truth. It's sad. So many organizations, churches, rehab centers, homeless missions. We've been to quite a number of homeless missions from New York to San Diego to California. We've been to rehab centers, Teen Challenge, uh, women's centers, youth centers, Virginia, Maine, Texas, Mississippi, all over the place. It's sad when people come in for help that you have counselors and teachers and preachers that come in to tell them, you know, you're not so bad. What you need to do is get a good self-image. And you see how well you're doing in the program here? I didn't see you doing drugs. But often the simple answer is because it's not available. They really want to do it, but it's just not available. So for a good three months, six months, no drugs, no pornography, nine months, 15 months, wow, you are so changed. In every chapel service, you have your hands up, you got tears coming down your cheeks, and uh, you must be really, really reformed and changed. You're born again. The moment they step out of that compound, they graduate, they finish the program, guess what? Back to square one. Shack up with someone who has the needle and the drugs, and here we go again. What happened? Nobody told them the whole truth. That's what happened. No one came and sat them down and said, you know what? There's a profile of a person who is in the pigsty. They just don't have access. But inside, that's who they really are. If you want to get out of that lifestyle where after you graduate from here, you'll never go back to it. I want to tell you, you have to know that if that pig-mindedness is not out of your body now, your mind, you will go back to it when you get out. To remedy that, you need to have the fear of the living God in you. You need to know that if you're here and you're pretending to follow God and you go to chapel service and do the labor here and everything, you have room and board and we're telling you day and night God loves you, and never tell you, listen, if you continue to hold sin, it will strike you like a cobra and take you down in no time. But what sin, counselor? Preacher man, what sin are you talking about? I'm not sleeping around anymore. Could it be because you don't have access to that? You're in here? I'm not doing drugs. Could it be because you don't have access to it? I don't do alcohol. It's too much pretension. Jesus came and said, stop playing. That's what he said. He told the people, stop playing. I can see, right? Don't sin. Don't love sin. Have you parted from sin? You know what? These people, they didn't like it. They took stone. Where's the rock at? 
Go get me that big stone. Stone. We got to kill him right now. He says, why do you want to kill me? I'm telling you the truth to help you. That's when Jesus started telling them more strictly, you don't have the love of God in you because if you did, you would like me to say what I'm saying because it's the real medicine. You have a society. You have a group. You have a club. Club church. And in your club, Everybody loves each other. The moment somebody says, why are you... Uh, 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 don't come and judge people here. That's the wrong place over here. Don't you dare come and say, why are you smoking? Even to the pastor, don't you dare say that. He has the liberty to smoke what he wants when he wants. And so do you. And that's why we're a happy family. It's like an Indian teepee. You know, you come in, the smoke signals and whatever you want to smoke... As long as you come to the tribe dance, you see? Just come along and do the tribal dance. Make sure you show up to all the family events, okay, the barbecue. And when Chief so-and-so gets uh, coronated, he gets his feathers, you show up and you clap hands, gather around the campfire, sing Kumbaya. Everything's fine. Don't ruffle anybody's feathers, Chief little man, because you're just one among many. Don't come and tell anyone that they're doing anything wrong. How sad. When God says, if you really love your brother and your sister, when you see them deceived by the serpent, you've got to speak up to save their souls. Or else you'd be like that pseudo-father and the prodigal son. Makeshift modern-day rendering that people love to preach and they do actually they, they, they read that story and many many times I've heard preachers say look at how much the father loved the son so far so good it was immense love it was in, you can say almost incredible it was from the father he loved that boy even though he was so bad that kid really was saying to the father I wish you were dead dad give me my share of your inheritance I'm out I'm out basically he's saying to the dad I'm, I can't even wait for you to die would you just give me what comes to me bye see ya I'm going to go and do everything I want to do that I couldn't do in your house how horrible that kid was but the father loved him but the father never compromised the truth and that's the problem so many people take that story and say, look how he loved on the son. They like to make it sound like, you know what, no matter how far you go from God, he will always love you. The problem is, the story didn't really stretch the timeline beyond the repentance of the child, you see? Uh, let me give an example. If the child, that boy, he was a man actually, if he went away from the father's house and took his share of the father's wealth, his inheritance, and the father's watching the calendar, he's longing for his baby boy, the second son, and he says, I can't wait for Junior to come back. He looks up the calendar, it's been a whole year. I don't, know if, I, don't, I don't know if he's alive. My heart is breaking for Junior. I know he's not doing right. I just want him home. So I can love on him and bless him and help him to change. One whole year from 2020 
to 2021, the father's waiting patiently. No sign of the kid coming back. 2022, he sees in the distance, all dirtied up, full of sin, the boy coming. But the father can see repentance. You know why? Because he came back. And because of that, the father ran and hugged him and kissed him and said, come back to my house. Too many times people make the mistake of taking the drug user with the drugs back into the house in the name of love. Cause a disaster. How many times that's been repeated? Taking the immoral person with the immorality, immorality back into the house brought demons back. Instead of saying, I love you so much, I'm telling the whole truth, you cannot bring that stuff in here. Oh, but you don't love me. I do. That's why I'm telling you. You don't even know what love is anymore. Because look, you don't even love yourself. Look at the way you're living. You're bringing disease and damage to your soul, to your mind, to your body. You're lost. I love you enough to tell you, you are lost. Don't even bring your two cents into the picture. You don't even know who you are. But I know. And I know who you could be. And because of love, I'm telling you, you've got to change your behavior, your lifestyle. You're not fooling me. I wish, how, how I wish that people would talk like that in real love, like Jesus did, like God does. How many times God told Israel and Judah, stop playing games. Do not come to my house. You're filthy. Repent and then come and offer your sacrifices. In 2022, after two years, if the prodigal son came back to their father's house, it was because he repented. You don't see past that timeline. That's something we don't think about. If the father waited five years, ten years, if that father in that story really represents God the Father, we can know one thing for sure. If on his deathbed, that father of the prodigal had not received word that the prodigal son is coming back. He would have died justified loving the son until the moment it was over. And he would have been fully correct, that father. Never ran back to the son to encourage him to remain as he was. Even if the son was kicking and screaming, oh, you don't love me. You don't love my friends. You know, a lot of excuses people can bring. You're prejudiced. Imagine a child raised in a tradition, traditional home, you know, a particular culture. Doing drugs, shooting up. Living in immorality. And the parents say, you know, you... You need to really consider the way you're living because it's not pleasing to God. It's not pleasing to us as parents. And it's destroying your life. You don't love my bride-to-be because she's black, because she's white, because she's Chinese, because she's Spanish, because she's this, that, and the other thing. 
totally bypass the truth and bring in some nonsense. And even if the parents just say, I love all races, don't try to twist this into something it's not. What I'm addressing, addressing is your sinful lifestyle. You know how many parents, they feel terrible because the child has just totally blasted them with all kinds of nonsense and they feel like, you know what, I'm losing my child. There is a part of us that should be heavily concerned with that. You know, the person is going to more delusion, but we need to know the scriptures. We need to walk in holiness and righteousness. We need to have the heart of the Father, which includes justice, which includes repentance. Jesus didn't back down. He didn't modify his message. I'm going to lose people. Look at that, that member of the Sanhedrin, the council. You're talking about a big shot in Judaism. I can't offend him because if I offend him, I'm going to lose a lot of people. Jesus said, I want truth. There's a problem he had everywhere he went. Anytime he spoke the truth, a lot of people hated him. Now, if I'm a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Lord said, don't be surprised if people hate you. Tell the truth. If you love them, tell the truth. John chapter 6. The Lord shows how much he loves people because he provides food for them and they forgot and they couldn't get it. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. The Lord has a way of filtering out people who are hypocritical. He does. He never stops that. He will give mass healing. He will give individual healing. He will give mass prosperity like we're going to read about right here. Everybody gets to eat and they're fully fed. They love it. But then he'll begin to weed out the hypocrites. He'll start telling them, you need to repent. You need to follow me, not for fish and bread and for healing, but for who I am. I'm the author and finisher of faith. I'm the creator of the universe. You need salvation. You need your soul that's diseased to be saved. Are you in for that? Many of them say, this is hard over here. I came to God. I came to this church because I can get healing. I can get this and prosperity. My marriage gets settled. You know, there are some people who come and get those things and they walk away with a blessing. They're back in trouble. But if we just listen to the truth, we'll know. God wants to change me from the inside out. God has something in mind. He's going to do a great miracle again. He went to the mountain and he sat with his disciples. Verse 4, Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread so all these folks can eat? There are a lot of people here, thousands. Philip, we need food. We need fast. Where can we get it? But the reason he asked Philip was to test Philip. The questions God will give us in our lives, statements he'll make, both things are found in Scripture. Sometimes he'll throw out a statement to see what will come out of us. He'll give the truth 
And by our answer, he'll catch us in our words, whether we're hypocrites. Or he can commend us and say, you know what? Like Nathaniel. When Nathaniel came, he said, here's an Israelite, Israelite in whom there's no deceit. He's an honest man. The Lord always comes and he shows us our true nature because he wants to bless us. And for some, it means repentance. For others, it means keep doing what you're doing because you're doing everything right. You're honest. You're humble. You're loving. And you're really walking holy. Wow. People like that, where can I find those people? They're in this world. But because the majority of the time, or all the time, people have been exposed to people who are hypocritical and they've chosen that path, they think that everybody's out to get them. There's evil suspicion there. No trust that we can really walk with God. And so it's a game. He came to Philip and he said, where shall we get bread that these may eat? And said that to test him. Because he, also knew, he already knew what he was going to do. Philip said to him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for these people, even if they wanted to eat a little. You can see in other translations that equated to months of going to work. So if somebody's making, let's say, $5,000 a month, Philip said, even if we have like 15, 20 grand right now, even if we have fifteen or $20,000, Lord, that's not even enough to give them a little bit. So many people here. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what's that going to do for so many people? He asked Philip, where can we buy bread? Philip said, it's not happening, Lord, because we don't have money like that to feed all these people. Andrew said, well, I don't know about money, but I know that I see some food over here, and it's a little boy. He's got five barley loaves and two small fish. But I know it's not enough, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, you asked about food and Basically, Philip and Andrew said, Lord, there's no way. There's no way. And Jesus said, let all, everybody sit down. Make them sit down. Tell everybody. People, all of you over there, sit, just sit down on the grass. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down. And the men were about 50 people. That's a lot of mouths of feed. 500 people, that's a whole lot of mouths of feed. 5,000 men sitting right in front of us. We don't have even a little bit of food to give to everyone. The men didn't come alone. They would have had their wives, maybe siblings, children. And that's why people estimate you're looking at probably around 10, 12,000 people. Jesus took the loaves. He actually made use of that little boy's lunch, maybe, five barley loaves. 
two small fish. He just looked up. He would have said, Abba. In further in Aramaic or Hebrew. Thank you, creator of the universe. The one who gives bread to the eater. Whatever he said to thank the Father. Abba. He just looked up, thanked God, the Father. And he would have said, Peter, come over here. Andrew, Thaddeus, um, Simon, all of you. Philip, take this. Take it and give it. Go. The disciples gave it to the people sitting down. Now, if you had five and you had 12 disciples, five loaves, 12 disciples, two small fish, whoever had the loaf in his hand, here you go. And the man or child or woman takes the loaf out of the hand. And like in John chapter 2, in the miracle of the water becoming wine through the power of God, the wedding feast, bread kept coming. Like the miracle, like the miracle in the Old Testament where the prophet told the lady, go get all the containers, the vessels, and the oil kept coming. Kept multiplying. The Lord says, I can meet your need. Don't limit me. I can meet your need to overflowing. It's an awesome feeling to be touched by God and have a prayer answered in a miraculous way, far more than we could have ever expected. God does that. He loves to do that. That's his nature. He's not showing off because that's who he is. He's, he's all-powerful. It's not exaggeration. He doesn't need anybody to make him feel better. He's almighty God. But he really, truly loves his children. But with the bread and the fish, the rent money, the clothing, the kids' tuition money, the vehicle that I need, uh, the job that I need, so many things start coming down from heaven when we start turning to God and God says, I love you. And I want to make sure my kids are well taken care of. That's how he is. He said as much, even in Luke chapter 11, he said, how much more will your Heavenly Father not give you? The best things. If the evil people know how to give their children good things. His love overwhelms us. His forgiveness overwhelms us. His commandments should draw us to obedience. He blessed these people. The disciples gave. Somehow the fish kept multiplying. The bread kept multiplying. It was not an illusion. It was real. The people's bellies really got filled and they loved it. And I can tell you, I can assure you, although it's not written here, maybe no one ever mentioned it. That bread that they ate that day was the best bread they ever had in their life. In their lives. That fish that the Lord multiplied, guaranteed it was the best fish that they ever would have had. How do we know this? John chapter 2, what the Lord did when he made that juice out of the water, it says the 
master ceremonies, the governor of the feast, he, he was amazed. He said, this the best? How did you save the best for last when usually people give the best when they are drunken? They start giving the other stuff. When the Lord in John's gospel right here at the end of the book when he was at the shore and he called them for breakfast after he resurrected, when the Lord Jesus gave them, he prepared that food for them. would have been the best. God never gives less than the best. He always gives his best. And we always get satisfied to the full when he comes and touches us and fills us. So the marriage that seems to be failing, there's this emotion and there's this tension, there's these memories, heartache and burden and abuse. It seems to be holding on to it by a thread. God said, not only will I make it okay, not only will I make it where it's manageable, Lord, that's all I want. I just want to be able to manage this thing, Lord. It's so bad. I just want I just want a little bit, Lord. I'm not even asking for a lot, Lord. God says, but I want to give you everything. I want to give you the best. I want to restore and renew this thing to make it like you never had it before. So good. So good. Just like that grape juice. The fruit of the vine that the Lord caused to come when they poured the water into the ceremonial jars. Lord, I'm looking for a passing grade in this subject. Lord, just one subject. Lord, I'm looking for the average or this, that. God says, I'll give you the best that I have to give. Whatever he gives, he gives his best. It fills us. He speaks to us through the blessing. We can depend upon God. Lord, I'm just looking for this on the job. God took Joseph from the pit. When he was in that pit, 17 years old, thrown in there by his brothers, abuse, 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 almost murdered. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? I can't believe they did this to me. He's in the pit. From the pit, he could have thought, you know, I just want to get out of here. I want to be on level ground. I want to be able to walk. He goes and ends in the prison. Well, I have what I need here, basically. Also have pain. I'm managing. But God spoke to him. From the prison, he went to the palace. If we just wait on the Lord and trust Him, He will turn everything around. These people were hungry, no doubt. The disciples were confused, no doubt. How do you meet the need? Too many people, too many people. The Lord did a miracle. So much so that when they ate as much as they wanted, there were the remaining fragments. Those fragments filled up 12 baskets. If I was there that day, 
I would have been stunned, overwhelmed, and so thankful to the Lord, and just kept marveling at what I just saw. Not only did they get food, everybody got a piece, but they ate to the full. Not only did they eat to the full, but they had leftovers to fill 12 baskets. Now, the people were so overwhelmed, they said, um, this truly is a prophet who's come to the world. And later on, you see God talking to his people in the interim. And Jesus perceived that they were going crazy. They wanted to make him a king. They said, this is the man. He's given us all this stuff. We know he can give us more. Let's make him our king. He just got away from there. He went to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and went over to the sea toward Capernaum. It was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. God does a miracle. Doesn't mean we're all of a sudden immune from problems. It'll be all rosy. There'll be situations that'll try our faith. But God will show that he'll come through for us if we hold on to him. Thank you, Jesus. So that when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. He blessed them. They didn't have to struggle anymore. When the Lord comes in, he wants to take away the struggle. He really does. Sometimes we get so used to struggling with different aspects of our lives, we end up thinking what the devil wants us to think. It's always going to be like this. Struggle, struggle, struggle. Sometimes it can wear us out and we start thinking, I just want to get out of this. But God says, if I've called you into this family, but doors were open so the devil can come and cause a wreck. I can come and solve the situation. I can come and the destination you want, the solution, I can make it happen. Only God can do that. Only God can make such a claim. What is absolutely opposite and dead, absolutely strenuous on you, emotionally, physically, spiritually, the Lord says, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm coming. Faith is being tested when you're doing the right thing. Let no one say, my faith is being tested, you know, because we have, we met people like that. They're doing drugs and they're doing all kinds of evil. They're saying, you know what, God must be testing my faith because I just got to notice that I'm about to get fired. I'm going through a trial. Pastor, pray for me. Brothers and sisters, pray for me. I'm smoking, I'm doing this, I'm doing the other thing, I'm wasting money. I just got the notice, um, it's a trial, but God's got it. You know, all that lingo, all those cliches, it's disgusting before God. God's got my back and I'm just going to hold on to God. And God told the people in Revelation I'm about to let you go. 
you better strengthen that which remains because it's about to die. He told a particular church that in the book of Revelation. He said, you think you're all that, basically, in so many words. You've got this, you've got that, but you're actually sick, and I'm about to let you go. Be careful. Repent right away, because I love you. I'm telling you, what could happen, what I really want is I want to come and fellowship with you and restore everything. Oh, my God. If the truth was told, and if the truth is received, what a change God can make happen. As we see in this uh, chapter, he just blessed the people. He did a phenomenal miracle, fed them to the full. He demonstrated his goodness, he really loves, and his unlimited power. But he expected them to say, who are you? And we're in awe of you. As you speak, we're going to listen because no man can do this stuff like you just did. When God blesses you with something, you know you don't deserve it. You haven't been particularly following him. You get overwhelmed and God says the goodness of God should lead you to repentance. Not say, hey, hey, I got it. And I'm going to go and live my life. That'll be a tragedy. These people got a big freebie. And in the interim, the disciples learned a lesson also. This Lord, he walks on water. More miracles. Trust me. Every time God does something for us, we should trust him even more and glorify him even more. And he came lovingly. He said, don't be afraid, it's me. And they also saw that they're no, no longer struggling, rowing there in the middle of that Galilee Sea. Sea of Galilee. Immediately they were at the destination. No struggle. God can do such things. But when he offers these things, he expects us to say, no more of my little-minded opinion, Lord. God's not interested in hearing our opinion. He's giving us the truth. It's like a, a father and a son. The father is a real estate mogul. That's what he does. He builds. And he says, son, you're of age now. You just got married and I want to build you a house. I'm bringing all this fancy material, granite and marble. I mean, it's going to be a expensive mansion type of thing. Son says, oh, wow, Dad, thank you so much. Wow, look at the stones. And look, you got the bulldozer there. And I'm so glad you're my dad. You own the construction company. You do big jobs. And you're going to build me and my new bride a, a house, Dad? Oh, Dad. And it's going to have so many rooms and it's going to be dazzling. The money that you're investing into this house, Dad. I'm just a college graduate, recent graduate. I got married. Daddy, you're going to make me, you're going to build me a house worth $1 million? Dad, I know your construction crew's out there, but I want to contribute something. Sure, son, if you want to, I'll give you that pleasure. What do you got? Dad, I, I've saved these ice cream sticks. You know I love ice cream. 
but I've been saving a lot of these ice cream sticks. I got a couple of hundred of them, Dad, and I want it. I want you to have them to give to your construction crew to build a house. That's kind of like us going and telling God, well, God, I think I should do this and you should do that, and I think I like this and you should like that. God, will you bless my plans and come here and do this and that? You know, I really think that if I go to church once in a while, that's enough for me, Dad. God, God, if I read the Bible once in a while, it's enough for me. God, I have a better plan. I'm going to read the Bible every other day. That's it, God. Don't tell me anything else because I'm fine. God, I'll come from my annual physical slash spiritual checkup when I feel like. Isn't that wonderful, God? Whenever I feel like, I'll come for a checkup. It could be one year from now, five years from now. But mainly what I want to do is come and talk to you to tell you how things should be and how I think they should be and what I feel. And God, would you be my sounding board? And I'm just coming. As far as the checkup, God, when you check me out and say that things need to change, I think I'm grown up. I don't need that. This is what gets people in trouble. But when we humble ourselves and say, my God, who can walk on water but Jesus and whoever he gives power? Who can feed 12,000 or 14,000 people, whatever it was, instantly? He can use whatever, he can do anything he wants. And today I'm breathing because of his mercy. I'm overwhelmed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm alive. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm in a place where I'm hearing the truth of God. God, I know, I know there's some things that got to go in my life. But I usually go and listen to people and hang out with people who tell me, you look marvelous. I love to hear that. That keeps me going. It makes me feel like Superman. I can conquer the world. But people who tell me, you know, you need to change this, change that, change this, and repent here, all that stuff is negative. It, I don't want to hear that. God expects us to be overwhelmed and rightly so because we cannot do a thing for ourselves. I can't do anything for myself. I cannot. The Lord said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, a lot of people say, oh, yes, amen. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Mm-hmm. A lot of slogans, a lot of cliches, a lot of mantras, a lot of pep talk. God says, get away from my altar with that stuff. That's what he really says. If you're not doing what I'm telling you, I don't want to hear empty flattery. It's going to dig a deeper pit for you because you're lying through your teeth. God expected them to say, God, we're in awe. I'm dumbfounded. What do you want me to do? Those people in uh, Acts chapter 2, they had it right. These are people from the surrounding regions. Different nations, they came there for the feast. And uh, when they heard those men and women speaking with their native language supernaturally, 
so many different languages and all praising God in their own native tongue. These men heard these people who don't belong in the other regions and they don't know the languages. How could all of them speak the languages? And they're worshipping God and when Peter is preaching they said, what must we do now? We're in awe. It's the best thing to say to God, Lord, I'm always telling you what I want to do. I'm always trying to tell you directly or indirectly what you should do. But I think it's about time for me to say, Lord, I'm going to zip my lip. Oh, God, what I really need to know is, what do you want me to do? And before we think about ministry and the call of God, I'm going to go here and move here. First things first, Lord, do you see something ugly in my heart? Search me, O oh God. Try my heart. Know me, Lord. See if there's any wicked way in me. That's first. Doesn't matter who it is. Preacher or not. Leader or not. First thing is, Lord, is there dirt on my hands and dirt on my heart? That's what God's concerned with. First, clean the inside of the cup. Then we can talk about working and doing great things for God. On the following day, verse 22, and the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one, that one which the disciples had entered, that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. They're watching all these things. Where's that man? Where's that man at? And they gave me free fish and free bread. That's better than Popeye's and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Where is he? But his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. They didn't say, you know what, it's been a while, we've got to go back. They said, no, we've got to get more. He's loaded. Where is he? And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, master, bread maker, fish provider, when did you come here? <laughs> Look at the Lord's reply. He didn't say, oh, people, people, I'm so sorry I left without notice, but I'm glad you got to me. You sure took a lot on yourselves to get into boats and find me. Well, I suppose you want more fish and more bread? I got a whole lot more where that came from. You just stick around and we'll see if you're qualified to hang out with me. And By the way, I don't know your names. Pleased to meet your acquaintance. All of you. Can you write your names on some cards and give it to my disciples and we'll invite you to the next party? That's not what he said. Jesus answered them and said, for sure I'm telling you something. You know why you came looking for me? Not because you saw this miracle, but because your bellies got full. You ate of the loaves and were filled. Don't labor for the food which perishes. But labor for the food 
which endures to everlasting life. Huh? What is he talking about? We came for food. He's talking about don't work for food that perishes, but work for food that will last forever? Everlasting life? It'll actually go towards everlasting life, which he's talking about he's going to give us. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. What kind of reaction would you have had if you were in their shoes? They said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? You're talking about God now? You're talking about eternal life? We'll, we'll get that too. So what do we got to do? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That belief is a strong word. It's talking about not just a creed, not just a statement of identification that I'm a Christian, but it means that I am following God. I'm going to follow God. That's what belief means. Believe, obey, follow. That's what he's expecting. He said to him, well, now that things are getting a little bit too complicated now, you don't just want to give us something you want us to follow you? Is that it? Well, what sign are you going to perform now that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Their mind is on that food, isn't it? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Wait a minute. Didn't they just eat? Wouldn't they have known it was a miracle? There were no trucks pulling up there. Trailers, hundreds of them with all that bread and food and fish. It was nowhere to be found. And all of a sudden Jesus came up with all that stuff. It was a miracle. They're talking about, well, maybe you can do it again, Lord. We want more food. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. Can you do something like that? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. So the bread you're looking for is manna. Something that was sweet is good. Something that can fill your bellies, but I want to give you bread from heaven that will give you life. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I want to give you myself and life. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this wonderful bread always. Heavenly wonder bread. Give us that bread, Lord. I mean, if, if that bread is going to give us life, reminiscent of John chapter 4, where the woman said, well, give me that water, this living water you're talking about. There's a difference between that lone, adulterous Samaritan woman and all these people, a lot of men here, When the Lord kept speaking, she didn't keep hardening her heart. 
there was a breakdown. She said, I'm not fighting with this. He's amazing. He's exposing my heart. And if he's going to speak, he's going to offer something, I know it's got to be miraculous. I want it. Whatever he says, I'm going to do. These people, not like that. Listen to this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who hungers, uh, he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast away or cast out. So they don't really have a proper relationship with the Father. Whatever they learned in Judaism, they were not walking right. Because if they were, like Elizabeth and Zacharias, they would have received the good news about the Messiah. For I have come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. He said, I'm coming directly from the Father. The bread I'm talking about is me, the Father sent me. The, this bread that you're talking about, that's not the primary reason I came. I'll meet your needs, but the main need you have is your souls are going to go to hell. You don't have life. You need me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. Look up the mission here. I'm telling you, you're following me to get more food. I'm telling you, the will of the Father who sent me is that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Resurrection life. Again, he says, this is the will, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I'm trying to give you everlasting life, your deepest need. Then these Jews complained about him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Joseph? We got an idea on him now. This is Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he says, I've come down from heaven? What is going on? A lot of questions, and this is what happens a lot of times today. People who really don't want God, they really don't want to follow God, they don't want the truth that you've got to be holy. They want to mingle like the prodigal son before he repented with everything they want to do and justify it and say, well, I know God. I'm Jewish. I'm Christian. You don't have to tell me what to do. I know my Bible. You go read yours. Have a nice day. Why? Because their brother or sister came in love didn't want to see that person die and go to hell. Tell him, look, if you claim to know God, you've got to really believe in him. If you claim to believe in him, you've got to obey him and follow him. For real. Where did you get your credentials from? Who gave you the license to come and check me out and tell me what to do? Did you go to work today? How's the weather in your neck of the woods? A lot of questions. When the solution in life is right in front of them, 
to take them out of that deception and delusion. A lot of talk. All they had to do is close their mouths and nod their heads and take it all in and then finally say, yes, Lord. We came looking for freebies to fill our bellies. You came to give us everlasting life. We're so wrong. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That's not what happened here. Questions. Allegations. Jesus, therefore, answered them, said to them, false allegations from these people, criticizing, trying to divert and distract from the main issue. They're not right. You can know when you speak to brothers and sisters, quote-unquote, when you're trying to tell them, when you're trying to tell them, listen, I found life and I want to share with you. I found the true doctrine. I'm really walking uprightly. I may not be perfect. I'm on the path to perfection, but I'm out of delusion. Hallelujah. I don't smoke. I don't drink anymore. I don't go dressing in a provocative way anymore. I don't look fishing for compliments anymore. I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'm learning to be humble like my Lord. You want some of that? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm fine where I am. I'm more humble than everyone. <laughs> and I'm fine. Now, can you give me 20 bucks, please? They came for food. Jesus said, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. What is he saying? He's expounding the truth. He's trying to tell them, take a good look at yourself. I'm talking about you. If you really are honest, you would know that I came from the Father and you would surrender your life to me. Stop going all over the place and receive what I have before it's too late. He says in verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, I know what I'm talking about. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. You have to believe in me. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate, ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. Wow. You want to talk about manna from the wilderness? Or in the wilderness? Yeah, they got their miracle, but they're dead. What do you mean? They're lost. Their entire old generation, they all... The, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They never made it to the promised land. They got miracles. But they didn't repent. That's the problem. They didn't really believe. They didn't follow. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I'm talking about giving you life where you will walk knowing that you have real fellowship with God because you do not partake in sin. 
No longer in darkness you are of the light. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. You would think this is enough. The Lord is just going on and expressing His loving heart to try to make them open their spiritual eyes. And He's saying, I have it right, for, I have it right here in front of you. It's for you. The Jews, therefore, got into a squabble. They quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? There are people who like to talk about preaching and doctrine and Bible. and Just, you know, pick things apart and try to show their wisdom and try to get in on the conversation. And It's a lot of hot air before God. That's all it is. God's interested in obedience. Follow me. Are you doing what I told you to do? I told you to receive me into your life. But I did, Lord. I received you when I was 15 years old. I've been loving you and serving you ever since. Immoral relationships, self-abuse, abuse of other people, lying, stealing, conniving, slandering. Oh, yes. been following God all the time since 15 years old. Well, now that you mention it, maybe not all that time. But I've been following you for the last year. The last year? Slander, gossip, lying, maliciousness. Separating from the truth. Separating from the body of Christ. That's following Christ. You know, I was reading Ezekiel chapter 32 and verse so-and-so and such-and-such. And and what do you think about that verse? Just keep going in circles, distracting from the main issue. So sad. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. He deliberately kept talking like this to make them face themselves that you really don't want any part of me. You're not even interested in asking me how is it done, Lord? How do we do this? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, So he who feeds on me will live because of me. 100% dependence upon Jesus Christ. Not lip service, but truly by praying and saying, Lord, change me. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. So I can be clear in my heart, clean in my heart, so I can receive heaven's blessings. And I can hear you. Unclog my ears, Lord. It's filled with junk of my own opinion and other people's opinions. Not your truth. I got to feed on you. I need that connection, Lord. I need to be part of that vine, a branch that receives that full sap. Lord, see if there's any kinks. If there are any kinks over here? Any any problems, Lord? Any disease? Help me to just listen to you, Lord, and check my own heart first before I think about anything else. 
Is lying gone from my life or I still have some deception? Flattery and flirting gone? Flattery and flirting gone from my life? I just still play with those things. This is the bread. How many times is he saying this? This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. Are you getting this? He's asking the people. Basically. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, if you have the New King James Version or whatever version you're reading of the Bible, you may have a heading that says, Many Disciples Turn Away. We have to really define and qualify disciple. If that word disciple or disciples refers to people who came after the Lord with improper motives, which really shouldn't be called disciples, then we can say temporary disciples. Bread and fish disciples. But if we mean disciples who will follow the Lord all the way, real disciples, it's like, again, the people that heard the word and they sprung up in that parable with the seed and the sower, sowing the seed. They believed for a while and then they fell away. It's a dangerous potential, isn't it? We need to be careful that we're really following God, otherwise we'll fall away. That's why it's so important to listen to the Word and to let it do its work and make it the priority every day. Am I pleasing God? I want God to tell me. The only way you're going to get God to tell you is if you know the Word of God and you are sincere and really want to hear God. Therefore, many of his disciples, what kind of disciples are these? They turned away. Half-hearted. Temporary. <clears throat> when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? What if I just went back up? I came down from heaven. There's a purpose. I came to give you life. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing don't you understand? I'm not talking about you physically eating my body right now. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they're life. But there are some of you who do not believe. The different levels of adherence over here or lack of adherence to God. Some of them, they believe to an extent. Some of them don't believe. Some things. Some of them follow to an extent. 
But ultimately, the Lord says, the one that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. So God is always scanning our hearts, always. All we need to do is say, Lord, how am I doing? I need my spiritual check of Lord. And the only one really qualified to ask that question is the one who's been doing what the Lord told him to do already. Spending time in the Word, reading the Word, praising God, repenting where it's necessary, and then going to God and saying, Lord, do you see anything else? Because God's not going to help us to see things we can already see, but ignore. He's going to say, you're being hypocritical. Why even bother coming to me? And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Every word you just said, Lord, these hard sayings that all those people said, they're hard sayings, they're real sayings, Lord, they're eternal life. We're saying, we want it, Lord. Show us how to feed on you, oh God. Oh God. You're talking about real belief, real obedience, real discipleship. We're sticking with you till the end, Lord. We've left everything. No more nightclubs. No more secular music. No more foolishness. No more bars. No more smoking. We've left everything to follow you because that's what's required to follow you. We can't be serving two masters. The devil and God. Not one idea. Not one sensation. Not one invitation. Not one association that is not holy before God, will remain attached to us. In essence, that's what Peter committed to. We've left everything. It's a very accurate, good picture in this chapter with the exposition this morning of what real discipleship means. And we can know immediately whether I'm a true disciple or a fake one, whether I'm going to fall out, I'm going to follow through. Jesus answered, them after Peter said also we have come to believe and know that you are the Messiah the Christ you know into what the Holy One of God the Son of the Living God Jesus answered them did I not choose you the twelve and one of you is a devil I can just see people across this land across the world if somebody would stand up in the pulpit and ver verbatim verbatim speak these words as if it was their own sermon, his or her own sermon, and the people in the audience didn't know it was from the Bible, they might say, they might say, there we go again, negativity, devil hunting. It's not enough to say that, you know, we found the Messiah, didn't I choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You don't believe. 
so much negativity. Can we get a positive gospel, please? And yet it's all here. No wonder so many people are fake believers and they associate with others who are fake disciples and they think they're actually true disciples because the word of God has no place in their lives. They do not read the Bible and stop and say, Lord, am I a Judas or a James? I'll be willing to give my life for you. But this one, devil, it says he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. How many people have sold Jesus for money? Shack up with someone. But how could it be so wrong if it feels so right? He's a believer. She's a believer. They love God. We'll get married eventually, but right now it's trial time. It's, you know, we have to find out if we can live together. And we're not going to really do anything. We just want to live together. Plus, they've got all the money I need and we can be comfortable together. Go to church together. We met a couple and they're shopping in a grocery store one day. And this lady claimed to be a Christian. And she just left her husband just like that. The man was literally crying because he had bought a house in her name. He took, took her on vacation. He did everything for her. You know what she said? She said, he's a real good husband. But we just don't get along, you know. We don't have that soulmate type of thing. After years of marriage, the man is crying, doing everything he can to try to keep this rascal of a woman. She just dropped him. And of course, she had another love interest. And we saw this couple. And when she knew we were Christians, she said, well, I'm a Christian too. I love God and my new man, he loves God too. In fact, we're going to go to Florida and we're going to work there. They had a whole plan. We're going to work there for a year, save up and buy our own house together. And uh, we're going to go to church too. Judas. But then again, these kind of sermons are not popular, are they? And yet, this is the very medicine that is needed for so many people so they don't end up in hell. God says, I know whether you really believe or not by your actions. Don't tell me you love me and you disobey me and you reject my teaching. No fear of God. Continue to blaspheme my holy name by claiming to be one of mine sinning against me. What does it mean to believe? In the Bible, it's very clear from Genesis Revelation. The word believe, when somebody says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ, it means they are following Jesus. You cannot Claim to believe and follow the devil. It's plain, isn't it? Would to God that each one of us would grasp this for eternity and say, God, help me never ever to mix up the message, twist the message, or allow other people to tell me they believe in all this stuff and stay silent when I'm supposed to be speaking and telling them, let me show you from Scripture what belief means.
May you see whether you really believe and know the consequences. Come to Jesus. Let's do what he says. Of course, some people may say, well, you can't really speak to my son. He'll throw a tantrum. My daughter, my wife, my brother, my sister in the church I go to, they'll have a fit. That's when we have to say, I will pray like never before. So God, help them to be receptive. But I promise you, Lord, I'm not going to withhold the truth from them. So help me, God. To follow Jesus means God will step in, do a miracle in every area of our lives. How beautiful to know that if we follow the Lord, He will take care of everything for us. Step by step, He will. He will. He will. He will do the impossible for us. He will take that which is so terrible in our lives and He'll turn it around for us because we belong to Him now. We trust Him, following Him. The Lord was putting this out there for these people, thousands of them. Don't think about the earthly food. Focus on your soul. I'm giving you the living bread. I'm, I'm the one. Come to me. Surrender your life to me. I'll take care of everything else. Praise be to the Lord that we are reminded of this, that we ought to live it. We ought to say, Lord, help me to also share it as it is in the Bible so that people can know. There will be people. Not everybody's going to reject the message. A lot of people will. That's what the Lord said, especially in the last days. But there will be a good portion of people as you're faithful in following God and speaking the whole truth. There will be some people who say, you know what? Nobody's ever told me that. No one's ever told me that. If I don't obey God, I'm not going to make it to heaven. They've actually told me opposite. They tell me Jesus obeyed the law and therefore I don't have to because God knows I can't keep his commandments. Wow. Absolute deception from Satan who was laughing all the way to the lake of fire in his own deception because I got more souls away from God. I've deluded them with my own version of the gospel. There'll be people who thank you. Thank you so much. And they will actually begin to change. What a joy it will be to know that you have actually heard the true gospel, have obeyed it, and you've been able to convey it to others, and they've also followed that path. And God's kingdom comes down. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, the things that shock us, the things that seem to be counterintuitive, Lord, and contrary to our human way of doing things or even hearing things, Lord, I thank you that you don't care one bit about what the devil wants because he'll work through human beings, even through us if we let him. But Lord, we're committed to hearing you and you only. We want to do what you say, Lord. We want to walk in a manner pleasing to you. And thank you, Lord, that you have told us that we can partake of the divine nature through total belief and trust in you that we are overcomers, Lord. Not because we sing the song and we think we are. We like to tell everybody how much of an overcomer we are. But because we're actually learning more about your words 
the words that Peter said are eternal life. Understanding exactly how you diagnose the human heart and what constitutes a pass in your book. What constitutes a failing grade in your book and how to go from failure to success in your book. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for your love. I pray that the people we know, Lord, oh God, not one more person dying of an overdose, not one more person, Lord, catching diseases because they're sleeping around, not one more person, Lord, slandering your name, claiming to be Christians, not on our watch, Lord. When you want us to speak, we will speak. And we will speak what you want us to speak. And we will pray with a heart of compassion, not to condemn, but to warn out of love so that there will be no more casualties and losses, Lord. Oh, God, people, Lord, will make it to heaven because they are true disciples. We thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.